Welcome back to The Law Unscripted, where we talk about all the things about the law and the legal system that you never knew, you never understood, and no one ever told you. I'm Virginia Tarani, and I will be joined by Chelsea Rogers. We're with Tarani Law LLC because you never need a lawyer till you do. And this week, Chelsea sure needs one. We are picking up part three of our series of the stages of a criminal case, taking you through arrest all the way to trial. The first part, we talked about simple traffic citations, and hypothetically, we had Chelsea getting charged with a misdemeanor. Stage two, part two, what that we covered last week, we had her pick up a felony charge, and now she is in jail waiting trial. We left you last week after she had done preliminary hearing and was waiting for her circuit court trial, and that's where we're going to pick up again this week. So stay tuned while we walk through the rest of our hypothetical where Chelsea goes to trial. Okay, I like it. So after that, now we are completely in circuit court, and we are just sort of pending a trial. Yes. So at this point... Had I not been able to bond out, I would have been being detained. I would have been in jail this entire time. Mm -hmm. Pre-trial detention is wild. Okay, so now we have done our hearings. We don't have anything else except the trial, right? Pretty much, but there there can be other motions. So you could do a motion to reconsider bond. That can be done before the preliminary hearing, at the preliminary hearing, or even in, in circuit court where you have yeah. a whole nother judge, right? So you're going to make another motion for right. reconsideration of bond, to reduce bond, to change bond. Yeah. The defense is going to have to produce different evidence, though. Okay. Some kind of evidence to show that it should be reconsidered. Have they found a family member who will step up and say, you know what? They have an address with me. Mm-hmm. They can stay with me. They have a local address, so they're less of a flight risk now. Right. Oh, okay, we'll give you a secured bond. So it changes it a little a bit, lower. right? We'll reduce it to this. Um, the Some kind of different evidence. It yes. usually requires witnesses um, okay. for reconsideration of bond. But that is one motion that can be made in the meantime. And there's also could be some negotiations, right? We talked about it oh, with a couple sure. different things. You know, whether you're charge bargaining to say... All right, can we get these down to a couple misdemeanors instead of a felony? Oof. The puppies are so excited. <laughs> so maybe that, there's that. But yeah. it could also be, you know, we can agree to a plea deal. Or if we're talking about drugs, yeah, I had a baggie of heroin and a needle, but I'll tell you who I got it from. There's absolutely that plea bargaining. So it is really a big time for plea bargaining. Did we get it past, you know, there's a wave preliminary hearing, so we have better plea negotiations mm-hmm. or we already have one. The trial date is set usually for these things if you already have an agreement worked out. Yeah. When you get to the felony circuit court placement, they'll set different trial dates or different dates for plea dates mm-hmm. versus trial dates. Okay. And the plea da- dates will usually be quicker, faster, you can waive speedy trial. Right. That will be another bargaining tip by the or bargaining tool by the prosecutor is if you waive speedy trial, I'll give you this. So they're yeah. not worried about how quickly they have to put on a trial. That's a bargaining chip. Um, 
you can talk about differences of misdemeanor, how much probation time can you give a year versus two years of probation. There's so many options that you can use, especially depending on your jurisdiction. There are going to be more common plea negotiation tactics and options than others in each and every jurisdiction. From one county to another county, they're going to be different. One county is going to say, you know what, I'll argue for fewer jail years but longer probation where another county is going to give you shorter probation but longer jail time um so you have to you really need to have someone who is familiar with the jurisdiction to know what are the common negotiating factors in that jurisdiction you can always do something different you can always try for something different think outside of the box look at your individual defendant in case and your own calculus might be different right like in our hypothetical if i had been we talked about it in the beginning if i had been pulled over in maryland the ultimate stakes are not as high still a misdemeanor it's still you're not even going to circuit court in maryland right you're you're going to trial in in district court as a defendant and this is my personality too i'd be much more likely to roll the dice at trial in Maryland yes. than I would in Virginia. Even if, say, it was completely innocent, this For was sure. something. And there you see sort of the power of plea bargaining is that, say, it was a neighbor's car I borrowed, completely sort of innocent of that. In Maryland, I might say, take it to trial and make them prove it. But in Virginia, I don't know if I would, I don't know if I would do that. I might yeah. take a plea to something lower. All these considerations. And you can plea all the way sort of from the moment you're sort of arraigned, arraigned you up can until plead. the whole process. Um, yeah, you can even plead in the middle of trial. We've yes. seen that nationally. We've seen several. They'll start with a trial in front of a jury trial, and then you take a recess, and the next thing you know, the defendant's like, you know what? I'm pleading guilty. Yeah. Because they don't want to. The jury trial isn't going so well. They see this. Now they get scared. Yeah. There's one famous example. I really wish I could <sighs> remember what it was. One famous example where the mother goes to talk to him in the middle of the trial. Oh. And all of a sudden she had convinced him to plead, of do, be responsible, do the right thing. I know you did it. You know you did it. And all of a sudden they go back in and he pleads guilty. That's I wish I could remember which I one. Know. I also watch a lot of true crime. <laughs> I watch so much TV true crime. I am all about Joe Kenda Homicide Hunter. Yes. Forensic Files. I've been on Homicide City, Murder Comes to Town. I mean, you name it, I watch it. I like 48 Hours a lot. <laughs> <laughs> ID. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The 2020. There are all of these things. I cannot watch the family ones, though, where it's like evil siblings, oh, children who kill, that stuff. I can't I can't yeah. do that. It feels like it's a little more real. Those are and scary. Possible. Like, not that I have family members that I think would do me in, but <laughs> you just, you know, you're sleeping next to your spouse and you start watching these spouse murders and you feel, you know, like... Maybe I should scooch over a little farther away. Those, um, do I know what they're thinking? Should I sleep downstairs? I just... <laughs> right? No, I mean, the questions are higher. <laughs> right? It's like... <laughs> I saw somebody do this, and it, I'm sure it's been done a lot, but I recently saw it on TikTok, my addiction. Oh, no. um, it was a maid of honor speech, and she oh. said, congrats, you're now sitting next to the person who's statistically most likely to kill you. Oh, <laughs> no! <laughs> Inner speech? 
it was so funny. I'm sorry. Like that's my type of humor. That's hilarious. She said it, you know, she, it was her sister as the maid of honor and she stood up and said it and I died laughing because oh, that's so funny. the husband did it right. Like that is the trope. Oh, that's so funny. And it's true. <laughs> yeah. It's so true. But yeah, during your wedding. I don't know. I thought it was that's so funny. Like it, you just saw everyone die <laughs> laughing. Um, and it was, I mean, it was really well done. I, I thought it was funny. I'm sure some people would not have been amused. Uh, right. That this was very poor taste. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was funny, but. That's okay. great stuff. Okay. So I have not pled to my charges. Yep. I You're said, take it guilty. to trial. That's my personality. Yep. Prove it. Go for it. And look, they have sometimes to. you win, sometimes you lose, but <laughs> you know, that's who you are as a person. Are you going to roll the dice? Mm-hmm. I am. I'm going to say. It's great. The Commonwealth of Virginia. Prove it. Um, so we Absolutely. get up there and I say, I, you know, want a jury. Tri- I'm, I don't think yeah, you d- go for it. demand a jury trial. No, you do. You have to demand a jury trial. I was going to say, um, I didn't know if it was automatic in circuit, but. You have to demand it. Okay. You have to request it. Yes. You have to do a jury request. Um, and in Virginia, the Commonwealth can force you to a jury. Oh, I love that. Oh, I love that. I think juries. Or at least when I was there. Now the last, I'm trying to think the last year I prosecuted was 2015. So it's been. Eight years. And I honestly don't know. I think that is still the case. I would assume so. I think so. But I know that when I was prosecuting, I had the the right as the Commonwealth to actually force a jury trial. Okay. So I'm going to say. it very often. I'm going to say my personality. This is how You're it gonna would go. It. I'm going to choose mm-hmm. it. I'm going to say, give me a jury. Prove your case. And speedy trial. And speedy trial. I want to see it. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is where... And I'm hoping we'll talk about this on the weekly wine, maybe coming up. The defense doesn't have to do anything, right? That's right. The only person who has a burden at this trial is the state, is the Commonwealth of Virginia in this case, right? In this case, yes. It's not a self-defense case where you would also have a burden. But generally, unless it's that rare case, the Commonwealth, the prosecutor, is the only one who has a burden. And so, again theoretically more than sort of in practice that the defense you know is there to cross-examine and but technically they don't have to put up any of their own witnesses they don't have to do anything most commonly they're going to but they you know theoretically don't have to and this is the hot topic that I am fascinated by and I know myself so I would not be taking the stand because I, I mean I'm I say everything that comes into my head, for better or worse. Sometimes I would advise it's... you not to take the stand. And I think that's the... Chelsea Rogers, please don't take the stand. Some people can, but not you. And I agree. That's the thing, is that for better or worse, any thought that comes in my brain comes directly out of my mouth, um, and I can't shut up to save my life. So very bad on I the stand. I would cry as a defense attorney if you took the stand. During your testimony, I would cry, or I'd be like, Judge, I have to take a break. Yeah. And I'd sit there Can and I withdraw as <laughs> Can we start over? <laughs> I think that's the truth. And I think sort of the overwhelming advice is don't put your client on the stand. But if you are the defendant and you're... You can choose. I can say, I don't care what your advice is. Put me up there. Yes. Um, and then you have the interesting job as the attorney, knowing this is a bad idea, to then have to direct me. Still have um, to. And you don't know what is going to come out of my mouth. We're not even on the stand. We're across from each other. You don't know what I'm going to say. Yeah. Right. I know it's unscripted because it's Chelsea. 
We can't pre-script this stuff. It just... No. Things that she comes up with, that's just random. But some... It really is. But some people say it is my right as a defendant to tell my side of the story, Um, which we talked about it sort of with our self-defense is that to me makes the most sense in a case like that. And maybe you say in this scenario, it is worth it to put me up there saying, I was speeding. I was on the way to a job interview. Mm -hmm. I borrowed my neighbor's car. And you keep the direct very limited. As limited as possible. You know, sort of to those facts of it was an emergency. I borrowed a neighbor's car. I don't know them that well. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, I assumed everyone keeps their registration in the glove box and I opened it. Pulled it it out. And I had no idea. Right. That's where you sort of have that. Yes. Um, But the state can't make you take the stand. No, they cannot. It is a defendant's right not to testify against himself. Um, Which I think is fun that, you know. Wouldn't that be easy? You have somebody and like you me. you can't talk about it. It is such a solid constitutional right yeah. not to take the stand that as a prosecutor, I cannot comment on it. And like, I cannot say you can infer that guilty. they're guilty. Right. She must be guilty because she decided not to testify. She didn't even get up and tell her own story in front of you. I right. cannot say any of that. I can't. I cannot comment on the fact that you did not testify. If you did testify, I can comment on what you said. Right. But if you don't, I cannot tell the jury anything about you not testifying. Yeah. Now, as a defense attorney, if you choose to testify, my two things that I would do. I would love to see this. Strategy. We should do a mock trial and I'll be the witness. We, we totally should and we can. Um, my strategy would be twofold. Yeah. Is I would start off your direct examination saying, do you understand, Miss Rogers, that you don't have to take the stand? Of course. That it's your fundamental constitutional right that you don't have to. Yeah, I just want to tell my story. Are you choosing of your own free will to come and tell the jury what's happened? Absolutely. I'd start off that way. Yeah. That way the jury's like, oh, but she wants to. Yeah. We need to That's hear true. what it's very, she says. Like, it's humanizing. It's, it's very humanizing. It feels like you're doing something. Yeah. Um, in a pot, it puts you in a more positive light to start out yeah. with. Some judges won't let you do that. Depends on your jurisdiction. But if your jurisdiction will let you do that, I would recommend it. It's for my strategy would be to do that. Then at the closing argument, I would say Miss Rogers got up and told you her story. She didn't have to. Right. She just, is not required. The Constitution gives her a fundamental right not to do that. And she did it anyway. She chose to do it because she wanted you to hear what has happened. From her. Right. And then you also herself. just try to make me look. I laugh when you see these sort of in some of the true crime cases that are really famous. The transformations of people. What they look like before oh, yeah. they come into the... Courtroom. That is a new person. That is yeah. like Betty who teaches Sunday school. Who is that? <laughs> yes. But I'm you make going it to see... let you borrow a dress <laughs> and some shoes. And that's, yeah. you know, I'm going to make have me a seem relatable and credible, which again, I don't, I mean, the truth is you can't tell someone's trustworthiness by the way they look, but we are humans and we do have that unconscious bias. And as, a, as a good attorney, you play to it. You can't beat it. Everyone is going to have some sort of, it's like, yeah. you know, your human nature. So what do you do? Like, if you can't beat them, join them and you capitalize yeah. on it. Right. And you that's have when tattoos, you have, I'm going to try to cover them up. 
Absolutely. You have all these like piercings. We're going to take them out. Yes. You have funky hair. We're going to try to, you know, put it down. Yes. We're going to try to make you look as normal, innocent, plain Jane as possible. Yes. As nice, like you said, Sunday school teacher, that's what we're going to do. If I can put you in a dress, I'm going to put you in a dress. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to put you in colors that are more neutral. Yeah. I don't want you bright red <laughs> in bright red. I don't want you wearing a marijuana shirt. I, you know, there are things that yeah. I want you not to wear. Um, public defenders offices will often have a closet yeah. that they use where they're going to pull out uh, some clothing that they keep for having their defendants wear. They'll dry clean it, you know, yeah. wash it, that sort of thing. But they'll have some some kind of closet. That they can go to for for outfits, and then you'd have to prep me for cross. Can you imagine that, Virgin? Yeah, <laughs> because if you take the stand as a defendant, as a witness, as any yeah. witness, you have the right to be cross examined, and you cannot put the defendant up and not be cross examined. Right. So that is the risk. I put you up on the stand. I put you up on the stand. Yeah. I can talk to you. I can ask you questions, but so can the prosecutor. Yeah. And that's where a lot of things go south. Yeah, I think that's true, is that, you know, for people who truly and earnestly maybe are innocent and this has really escalated, they do want to tell their stories. I think that sort of what I've seen in this wrongful convictions class is that people who truly are innocent have this innate desire to, if I can just tell the truth, if I can just, people would just hear my side of this story, then we can, we can take care of all of this, right? And it gets them into trouble. Sometimes um, they don't tell it well. And then they get flustered or angry because that's sort of right. If you have a defendant doing that and then you're the prosecutor, you're going to come and ruffle their feathers in in the way you ask questions. That's what you're trying to do because if you can get them, the more they say, it's like giving them enough rope to hang themselves with. That's Um, exactly the theory. You know, and it's harder if that on cross, you just say yes, no, like you look bad. Right. And that's another part of it. Is it about appearances? When you have a jury now, hey, if it's a judge, I might just say yes or no on cross and because keep it moving. Because the judge knows. Yeah. And that's the question. Do you choose a bench trial instead? Are you actually more likely to be found not guilty with yes. a judge than with the jury? So maybe in our hypo, they have found me guilty. Unfortunately, they didn't believe me. So what happens next? You go to sentencing. You mm-hmm. usually have the same jury who did okay. the original charges and conviction will usually do your sentencing. Not always, depends on your jurisdiction, but usually they go into sentencing. And so with sentencing, I know obviously every jurisdiction is going to be slightly different in sort of what the rules are, but they usually give you a range, right, of like the possible or the normal ranges for this. I mean, I'm sure Mm -hmm. in some cases they go outside of it. Um, Well, they're told. The jury is told this is, you know, the, the class five felony. Yeah. She, under the law, has to have one to ten years. Mm-hmm. That's the penalty. Yeah. You as the jury have to decide between one to ten years. Yeah. Any range between this. As a prosecutor, depending on your facts, I'm I'm going to give the jury what I think the, you should Yeah, have. sort of make arguments about I think that. You, should, you cannot say that any of the time is suspended in front of a jury. Oh. It is one to ten years. So, so that's the judge's call then. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the jury could come back. We'll just meet in the middle. They say, uh, yeah, we didn't believe it. You're guilty. We recommend five years. Correct. And the judge could say, yeah, 
I don't know how I feel about that. I've also heard all of the evidence and I'm going to accept the jury's recommendation of five years, but I'm going to, it's a suspended sentence, right? Correct. Okay. He can suspend any or all of that time. The jury can't, but the judge can. Have you ever seen it that dramatic where, you know, the jury recommends five years and the judge says, I'm just going to suspend all of it. That feels yes. really dramatic to me. Yes. It is dramatic. Um, it, it really can be. Yeah. It's, as a prosecutor, I loved when the judge just accepted yeah. whatever I said and whatever the jury recommended. Um, but the judge does like to have some suspended time yeah. because of probation, where if they put you on probation, that's like trying to keep you out of trouble so you don't serve the rest of your time. Yeah. So there's something holding over your head. Um, but technically, you can send you to jail for the full five years. Yeah. See, and that's interesting to me is that, you know, we think juries are sort of the ultimate arbiters and in some ways they are, but maybe not. In the end, the judge reviews the sentence of the jury. Um, In Virginia, what they do is the jury gives the sentence, the jury's dismissed, and then the judge can either review and change the sentence. He can't fully change the sentence. So if it's five years, it's five years and he has to play within the five years. He can't give more than five years and he can't give less than five years, but he can suspend any combination of the five years. Um, so sometimes, especially in Virginia, they will say, here's what the jury's decided. We're going to come back in so many months and Mm -hmm. do a final sentencing date. And that's when you put together your sentencing guidelines. Yeah. There is a review of your history. There's a review of the charges. There's a review of, the facts associated with it, the defense, the prosecution, and probation all run sentencing guidelines. Mm-hmm. And there are guidelines in each state and in, in federal courts. Oh, see, I know those. I should. We spent mm-hmm. a lot of time on that chart last semester. Yeah, so even with the jury recommendation, okay. they'll review, okay, well, they've recommended five years, but according to the sentencing guidelines, they recommend two. Yeah. So we're going to ask the judge for five years with all but two suspended because that's what the guidelines say. So there usually is another date, even after the jury trial for sentencing, final sentencing. Which is fun. And okay, this is, we talked about it last time. So say I'm sentenced. Can I now appeal this? Yes, but. It has to be a mistake, doesn't it? <laughs> I knew there it. are very limited options for appeal from circuit court. Yeah. District court, much m- easier in most states. Mm-hmm. Um, Virginia, it's not automatic rate. In Maryland, it's different. Um, but it's still easier than appealing from circuit court to the appeals courts. Right. Because now you're, I mean, you're batting in the big leagues when you get there up there. There has to be some wrong that was done. Some kind of injustice, some kind of error of law by the judge. Yeah. It's not just, I want a new trial. So that would be, say the judge, I don't know, there was a new law that I was convicted under or something like that, right? And the judge didn't know or didn't remember, and it reflected that in sort of how the trial played out. You appeal it to the appeals court. Yes. The appeals court goes, yes, this was a reversible error. Mm-hmm. You go back down and have a new trial. Not necessarily. Oh, really? You could just have new sentencing. Okay. Depending so on they, what it was. Yeah, yeah depending yeah. on what the error was, you could have an entirely new trial. 
or you they could say there was nothing wrong with the trial, but there was something wrong with sentencing. sentencing. We had one in Newport News um, that was a firearm by felon, and mm-hmm. there's a specific one's a mandatory three years, one's a mandatory five years, and the judge decided for a five year. The jury came back with three years. Okay. And he did the five years thinking it was the mandatory five years. So he changed the jury sentence. Um, and the appeals court said, no, it was three years. The jury said three years. Um, they didn't mess up. You did new resentencing, new sentencing, but not new trial. So like a new trial. And I'm like thinking, so that would be maybe evidence was allowed in or excluded. That was, I mean, impactful, Correct. And that the appeals court is going to say, yes, we do think this evidence in or out would have affected the outcome of the trial. Absolutely. Is it exculpatory? Is it evidence that is likely to show possible innocence? Yeah. Um, then that had to be turned over by the prosecution. If exculpatory evidence was not turned over, that's a likely appeal. If there was ineffective assistance of counsel, that's an appeal. That was the most common appeal that we got was they're going to write a motion, a brief that says there's ineffective assistance of counsel or, you know, exculpatory evidence wasn't allowed. The judge did not take into consideration these things when you should have. Um, But even though you write a request for an appeal doesn't mean you're going to get. Right. It's very, very limited the number of appeals cases that are actually accepted and heard by the appellate courts. Okay. So now in Virginia. Oh goodness. We're going to go all the way up. I'm just curious now. We're going up. Okay. So say the appeals court. Virginia court of appeals. Yeah. Says, I mean, how do you get up to the Supreme court in Virginia with a case like this? Would you say? It depends because usually the appellate court, the Virginia court of appeals is for criminal, um, for criminal matters yeah where the supreme court is more for okay that makes sense but you you appeal the appeals court decision there we go bite in an apple for a lot of criminal cases where let's say an appeals decision is done um they agree with the court defense appeals to the supreme court of virginia okay so that's what it would be is that the appeals court says yeah we think the trial court got it right and you say i still disagree with you yes and so then that's when you're writing the brief and right. appealing. But the Supreme Court doesn't have to take it. They right. don't have to hear it. They can say, no, we completely agree. Or there's no reason for us to hear it mm-hmm. based on the type of appeal that it is. Right. Because they're they're looking at sort of, and this is why the record is so important, um, looking at the record before as opposed to, I know we talked about it, I think before, sort of a de novo look. That's not what's happening at this no, point. It's For Virginia, it's de novo from district to circuit where you get a whole brand new trial. Yeah. Fresh as eyes. If the first one never happened, but that's not the same as once it's a circuit court level, once it's been heard by a judge or a jury for a felony or an appealed misdemeanor. Yeah. Which is why you have to have the mistake, right? That's yes. the you difference. You have to have some type of mistake, some type of error that occurred at this level, at the trial court level is how they say it. To Reverse and remanded. Get an appeal and get it accepted and get it heard. Right. So that's what's happening. The appeals court is not retrying the case. They're like, Correct. yes, there was a mistake. Do it again. Correct. 
what's in your state yes. is how different is it in your state is possession of heroin a misdemeanor or a felony in your state let us I'm know i'm still stuck on that i think i'm gonna have to like mull that over for a while <laughs> <laughs> what's the sentence for four years in maryland up to 10 years in virginia what's yours Tell us. We are absolutely interested. This is the type of thing we want to know as well as you. So check us out. Um, Enjoy what you're seeing, what you're hearing. Please like and subscribe. Like we said, our dog is going to continue to yip on the meantime. Tell us if you like the dogs. They're going to kind of be part of it. For sure. And yeah, I'm Virginia Tarani. And I'm Chelsea Rogers. We are part of Tarani Law LLC because you never need a lawyer. Until you do.